Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Wednesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Ryan Lavoy and Cam Berry as uh, we're taking you one step closer to the end of 2022 and one step closer to the end of my run here with Sports Call. I've only got two intros, now one left. And, uh, yeah, my voice got a little shot right there out of the gates. So um, that's wonderful. I got to ramp it up. One more to go tomorrow. So hopefully tomorrow's will be a little bit better uh, than that performance right there. Sorry, guys. Tomorrow, tomorrow will be robust though. Dusty <laughs> and it, yeah, it's just a, it's just a precursor to us all being kind of a little choked up. So. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. The audio will not be good tomorrow on the program. No. And we apologize in advance. That's for sure. Uh, but so, yeah, coming up here, we'll have Andy Birch on the program in about 15 minutes, which is really exciting to talk about the Auburn basketball game tonight. Um, obviously, one of the first guests that I ever had on this show, a show that he hosted many years ago himself. So excited to chat with him a little bit later in the program. We'll have Joe Bartle on because it is Wednesday. We've got birthdays in sports and a nightly TV guide. Cam, first time you've been on the show this week. Yeah. How was your Christmas holiday? It was great. Uh, enjoyed some time with the family and uh, hung out with them. Had a great Christmas. Today is actually my dad's birthday. Uh, so happy birthday, Dad. Um, and we're actually... Um, Taking him, I'm taking him uh, to the Tampa Bay game, uh, Tampa Bay and, and Falcons game uh, next Sunday, uh, last game of the season. So that'll, that'll happy be birthday to him then. Yeah, yeah. yep. Got to throw him um, into our birthdays definitely. later today. There we go. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was a great, great time just to kind of relax and spend some time with the family and uh, see some friends as well, uh, catch up with them. And yeah, it was it was great. So uh, <coughs> glad to be here. Uh, sad you're going, JJ. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's uh, send it out the bank. Cause let's I do that. We can do that for sure. This is our last show together. Yeah, we're going to make it happen. Yes, uh, my last show with Tom Peavy was yesterday. That was really fun and exciting. And so we'll do it one more time with Cam <gasps> Barry here on the program. You know this guy? Yeah. He's, he's one of my good guy. friends in life. Yeah, he really is. He's, he's Ryan LaVoy. Awesome he's going to step into a big chair uh, here when I leave and take over this fine program. You mentioned it being your dad's birthday today. Yeah. Fun fact. Ryan and I's fathers, their birthday is separated by one single day. Oh, man. His dad's birthday is September 5th. My dad's birthday is September 6th. Nice. So, just destined to be best friends, <laughs> yep. if that's, if that's something there. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. And uh, it's uh, it's good to see you again. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, it's... Don't want to be completely sad, but yeah, uh, these hours are are waning now, and uh, I'll try and save the uh, tear jerking moments for tomorrow's show. 
Um, but certainly enjoying being on the show with you again. And, you know, we've got all these bowl games in action. And so a lot going on. Again, Auburn, as you alluded to, uh, when we're talking to Andy Bertram in a little bit, Auburn opening SEC play tonight. So uh, the big boy part of the schedule is now here. And so exciting to see Auburn start SEC play. And again, like I said, the bowl games, you got UCF and Duke right now. You got Arkansas and Kansas coming up in a little bit. Uh, Carolina and Oregon tonight. Drake May versus Bo Nix. And then even Ole Miss and Texas Tech after that. I feel like this is the first complete day where you have start to finish really quality teams playing throughout the day. No offense to some of the teams playing other uh, before this because there were plenty of good teams playing. Playing, a couple good matchups overall, but this is the first day where I think you can say four really interesting matchups throughout the day. So, a lot to talk about, and of course, continue to reminisce about your uh, successful five year tenure yeah. uh, here at Sports Call as it comes to a close, but going to be a good show. Marcus Davis is the final member of Hugh Freeze's first coaching staff. He's going to handle coaching the wide receivers. Signing day was one week ago as we continue to reflect on the remarkable effort that Hugh Freeze had putting his staff together uh, and still trying to figure out what that quarterback position looks like for Auburn. Will they stick with Robbie Ashford or continue to make work in the transfer portal and bring that next quarterback in? And Ryan, let's set up a headline today. Speaking of quarterbacks, former Auburn Tigers, why is Jarrett Stidham noteworthy today in the world of sports? Because he will be the starting quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders for their final two games of the season and interesting move by Josh McDaniels and the Raiders to my knowledge Derek Carr is is only just mildly banged up he's not does not have any injury that is going to limit his season Uh, it's just the typical wear and tear of a season but I think because the Raiders are uh, not in playoff position and because Derek Carr did not have the season people anticipated him having he had a really quality season last year you bring in Devontae Adams one of the top five or six receivers in the league and the Raiders offense really struggled in key moments this year with an offensive minded head coach uh, with again like I said receiving core that's really good I know that Darren Waller one of the best receiving tight ends in the league was out until just a couple of weeks ago but nevertheless Derek Carr with a league-leading 14 interceptions on the season, uh, they never really took off. And so Derek Carr, his future is in a little bit of doubt, at least long-term with Las Vegas. And I'm not going to sit here and say Jared Stidham's in serious jeopardy of – there's not jeopardy, in serious uh, contention to win his job from Derek Carr because Jared Stidham has had cups of coffee uh, with the Patriots and did underperform. But, uh, you know, they're at least looking at what they've got in Stidham. They're seeing – I think more than anything, this is probably more about maybe a – uh, a second person, a second opinion on the job of Derek Carr. I, I think if I think they want to see if Jared Stidham plays well, they're going to kind of judge that a little more harshly towards Derek Carr and say, "Well, really, el- the elements That's were a really here. Good point. The elements were here for you to succeed. You are at fault for what's happened this year. Really good point. Or if Jared Stidham struggles, then then they're going to go back to maybe Josh McDaniels is is the problem. That's what I think. And it is, maybe right. it is you know not related necessarily to just Derek Carr. It's maybe something more offensive line related, scheme related, that sort of thing. So I think they're trying to get a second opinion as you would with an injury 
The Raiders have been injured this year. They've underperformed. They're going to get a second opinion on why that is, particularly offensively. So, uh, great opportunity for Stidham. I mean, he's got an opportunity to solidify himself as at least a backup in this league if he can play well. Um, but, uh, yeah, very interesting move. But was not really on my radar. Yeah, uh, Jared Stidham does not strike me as one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. When you see something like Gardner Minshew in Philadelphia scoring 34 points on Dallas, that strikes me as one of the best backups in the league. Not necessarily Stidham, but if Stidham can go out there and play well for two weeks, he's going to get an opportunity to guarantee he will continue to be a backup in the league for years to come. So, great opportunity for him, but a Raiders team that clearly underperformed this year. Jared Stidham has thrown 61 pass attempts in his NFL career, but has never started a game. So, 61 pass attempts, has never started a game until Sunday. That will change. What do you think, Cam? Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting move, definitely. Like Ryan said, it's. It, I, I mean, I don't think this was on anybody's radar, right? It just kind of came out of nowhere that Derek Carr was going to just be inactive for the rest of the season, uh, essentially, and and see um, see what Stidham's got and and how how that's going to go. Um, but I, I mean, he struggled definitely, and I saw a video as well about midway through the season in reference to just Devonte Adams, where he was talking about how this offense is crazy complicated um and obviously Devonte coming from from uh green bay he obviously had to unlearn everything and then relearn this new offense um but you know josh mcdaniels had had his uh had his share at, at some teams um at some point you're going to kind of have to figure out is he one of those guys that's just not made to be a head coach uh is he just a better coordinator than he is a head coach and and I mean, this team wasn't successful, and they were pretty – they were all right last year. Did they, they made the playoffs last year. They right? did. Uh, yeah. That, last year was and when – that interim head coach. Uh, Richard Basakia, right. who was their special teams right. coach, took over for Gruden. Right. Yep. Exactly. Um, so this team goes from a fringe playoff team getting into the playoffs to a losing record, not being great. You had all the pieces. You went and got, got Devontae Adams, who – who really went there to play with Derek Carr um, and play play with uh, his his college teammate, and it's just it's just an odd situation. I wonder how that's gonna affect Devonte as well because, like I said, he went to go play with Derek Carr. Um, so I wonder if say I, I read something that they might cut him, can't really trade him just because of maybe his contract and how things are working out just in, in at this point in the season. Um, so I, I wonder if that's going to affect how Devontae thinks. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I'm not 100% sold on Josh McDaniels either. I, I really think that's more the issue um, than Derek Carr because we've seen him have some good years. We've seen him almost you know be in MVP contention um, a few years ago before he got injured. Um, so the 14 interceptions might have to do with the scheme, just confusion, all that stuff. Um, so it's definitely interesting. Um, but I, I, good for Jared Stidham. You know, I hope he does well with this opportunity, uh, for his sake, um, but it, it'll be interesting to see. Final thought before we get to Andy Bertram. Yeah, and I was just going to add, too, that uh, this offense, uh, Josh Jacobs is the leading rusher <laughs> yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. 
And if you told me the Raiders were going to have the leading uh, yeah. rusher in the NFL on top of Devontae Adams and Derek Carr and Darren Waller and all that, there would be no reason this offense wouldn't be a top right. five or six offense in the league. Right. Um, so it has underwhelmed, and, and you're right. I think McDaniels is clearly a great offensive mind. I just don't think he's cut out to be a head coach. Time for a commercial break. We'll be back with more sports call right after this on WTGZ Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It is a lovely Wednesday here on the Plains. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts as you can enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. Thrilled to be spending time here uh, in the chair with Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry. A couple of days left in my run with the program and very honored to go to our Auburn Bank phone line right now and bring on a longtime friend of the show, someone who used to call this show home uh, and that is Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, who joins us now. Greetings, Andy. We hope that you had a very Merry Christmas and uh, are looking forward to the new year. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, I had a great uh, great Christmas. was uh, with family in Huntsville, and we were able to get out of there about an hour before the snowstorm hit, and we were able to get back to Auburn and uh, then, get, then come in and prep a little bit for today's ball game yesterday. And I talk to you from courtside at Neville Arena as we speak. So you're ready for tonight's game against this Florida Gator squad. And Auburn set to open up SEC competition. Uh, What's the vibe? What's the pulse of this team like, Andy, knowing that, uh, all right, now it's league play. Now it's time to get serious. I think it helped Auburn that that it played two Pac-12 teams before a very short Christmas break. I mean, these guys got back to Auburn on the 26th and, uh, and, and flew out. Uh, the day after the Washington game, and would love to have that USC game back. The 23 turnovers just killed Auburn that day. And then Auburn had 11 turnovers in the first half, but led at halftime against Washington and then put together easily its best half of basketball against Washington in the second half in Seattle. So I think Auburn brings a little bit of momentum in, but now it's, it's you know, it's the, 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 conference, the, the non-conference season other than the West Virginia game next month in the SEC Pac or Big 12 Challenge, now it's SEC play. And there is no team that has beaten Auburn better and more consistently than the team that Auburn faces tonight, and that's the Florida Gators who have won three of the last four against Auburn. We know that Auburn hasn't won in Gainesville since 1991. Um, and this is the last team to beat Auburn here at Neville Arena. The Tigers bring a 25-game win streak into tonight's game, 25-game home winning streak into tonight's game against Florida. And yet it's a Florida team that has a brand-new coach, a man that's very familiar with this Auburn program in Todd Golden leading the way. But there have been multiple coaching changes over the years at Florida, and yet it's always felt like they've been able to have Auburn's number uh, on the hardwood, Andy, right? 
Well, Auburn will face the last two Florida coaches in the first two games of the SEC schedule. Yeah. Todd Golden, the brand-new head coach for the Gators tonight, and then Mike White, who left Florida to go to Georgia next Wednesday. So you get a lot of flavor of that. And, uh, yeah, this is a team that has just played very, very well against Auburn. Um, and, and Auburn will have to play well tonight. Uh, take take the seven and five record for Florida out. Uh, this is a good team and a guy that that Auburn really has had trouble stopping. Even when Auburn has won against Florida, Colin Castleton has gone off against the Tigers. Auburn has not stopped this guy yet, and he comes in averaging fifteen point eight points, seven point six rebounds, and three point six blocks per ball game. He is a force underneath for the Florida Gators to be sure. What kind of atmosphere are you expecting in Neville Arena tonight, Andy, knowing that school's not necessarily back in session, uh, but it is a big SEC game? Well, if you don't have a ticket, you're, you better go to the secondary market because it's a sellout uh, in spite of the fact that the students are not back. And they're, they're inviting everyone with standing room only tickets for tonight's game to fill in the, the bleachers behind me, the, the jungle. But this is an incredibly hard ticket to find for tonight's game. Regardless if the students are here or not, it's the start of Southeastern Conference play. And um, I, I, I know that tickets have been hard to come by. I've had plenty of folks ask me about tickets to this game. And no, I don't have any. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll answer that for you. But I expect it to be a very, very good atmosphere. Weather's terrific. It's not That will not be a factor tonight. I expect it to be rocking here at Neville Arena tonight. You alluded to being in Washington, Andy, but of course that West Coast trip for Auburn, the, the last couple of games Auburn played before SEC play does start tonight. What did you learn about the Tigers, both in a close loss to USC and a punishing victory against Washington? Well, we this team does not win when it turns the ball over. And the two losses that it has, turnovers have been a factor. It happened against Memphis and Atlanta, and it happened against USC in Los Angeles. And there was a stretch in the second half of that game in Los Angeles where Auburn made five straight trips down the floor and not only turned the ball over, guys, but also did not get off a shot. So it was a completely empty possession five straight times down the floor when, when USC was, was, was kind of establishing itself in that ballgame. So, so Auburn has to take care of the basketball, and we've seen Auburn do that this season, and it will need to do that against a Florida team that doesn't turn the ball over hardly at all. 11 and a half turnovers a ballgame. So that is something that, that has to happen for Auburn tonight. I saw Auburn get into a rhythm second half shooting the basketball against Washington. I think we saw a glimpse of what this team is capable of. Now, will Auburn face better competition than Washington almost game in and game out in the SEC? Most assuredly it will. But it was good to see that Auburn team put things together in the second half against Washington. And hopefully it gives that team, it gives this team some confidence starting SEC play tonight. And, and Andy, you mentioned it a little bit there, but I want to get your take on what you've seen now as a whole from the SEC so far. And I know it can be a little bit difficult to judge some non-conference and you got to see uh, some of these conference teams that maybe have inflated records that, that maybe played some weaker competition in the non-conference. But what do you think of this league as a whole and, and the difficulties Auburn will face in it? I think it's a very good league this year. I think we have not seen a lot of teams jump out of league against Power 5 schools yet. Auburn's win against Washington and its win against St. Louis, I think, are two of the better non-conference wins 
for the Southeastern Conference. The best win, without question, is Alabama's win at then number one Houston. And that Alabama team is very strong, as is Arkansas, as is Tennessee. Kentucky is Kentucky. They typically play a very tough non-conference schedule. I'm not sure we've seen them at their best yet. And, and then, you know, you've got the Ole Misses and the Mississippi States of the world that have probably not played the toughest of schedules that have won a lot of games. So you can't just discount them because they haven't played a really tough non-conference schedule yet. They're both under the direction of new head coaches. They've both won a lot of games in the non-conference. And it's going to be very interesting to see because everything starts tonight, guys. I mean, it's the games that really count starting tonight across the league. The voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, is here with us on Sports Call. You can follow him on Twitter at aburcham04. As we shift gears a little bit, we talk about the football squad uh, with new head coach Hugh Freeze. Signing day has come and gone, and boy, oh boy, it seemed like that uh, that coaching staff, Andy, was really able to pick up a lot of momentum in putting a top class together. It was really an incredible thing to watch, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, com- compared to the to the last two years. Auburn's early signing period was by far the best that we've seen in quite some time. And Auburn wasn't afraid to go out and get some kids that had committed elsewhere. Auburn, you know, flipped several on, on signing day. And that was, a, that was big news for Auburn. And it's not over. Uh, there is the late signing period. I know this team continues to look at the transfer portal. Probably another quarterback out there. We'll have to wait and see how, how that takes place. Uh, but I, I thought for Hugh Freeze to do what he did in a two-week span from the time that he was signed as, as Auburn's head coach and to put that staff together while he was out recruiting, I thought it was incredibly impressive. And I can't wait to see what his recruiting class is like next year when he has a full year here, uh, considering what he did in about two weeks to, to get that class into a top 20 class this year. Marcus Davis set to be the new wide receiver coach for Auburn. Also on the staff, uh, retaining Cadillac Williams and Zach Etheridge. When Auburn football is able to have former players turn coaches in those recruiting roles, Andy, what does that mean? Well, for one, they they weren't just signed on because they're former Auburn players. I think that that has a factor. I'm not going to say that it doesn't. But I think what it says is that these guys are solid coaches and they're very good recruiters. And, you know, Zach Etheridge, I think, has established himself as a very good secondary coach. He will now get some help from Wesley McGriff, the crime dog, back at Auburn for the, for the third time as, as an Auburn assistant coach. Yeah. I think Cadillac, I think it was a, a foregone conclusion that Cadillac was going to be on this staff. And I'm glad to see Marcus come back. Uh, he, was, he was one of my favorite players and then a guy that was uh, on, uh, on the staff and then off the field capacity. I really like him. I love what he's done with his very short career as a full-time assistant coach, and I look forward to see what he's going to do for the Auburn Tigers as well. Andy, we saw some NFL news a little bit earlier. Jarrett Sidham set to be named the starting quarterback for the Raiders. Yeah, first career start. A great 2017 season that he had uh, with the Auburn Tigers, but uh, there's not Cam Newton walking around NFL locker rooms anymore, so it's going to be fun on Sunday to have an NFL starting quarterback that's an Auburn Tiger out there. And I'm glad for Jarrett. I think what what Jarrett did at Auburn was terrific, Um, and he's now going to get his chance as a starting quarterback with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, taking over for Derek Carr, and I hope it goes very well 
for him. You know, he, he plays alongside Daniel Carlson, who just the fact that he's not in the Pro Bowl just astounds me, yeah. uh, considering the numbers that he put up this season. He was one of, if not the best place kickers in the NFL this year. Uh, but but I hope it goes well for Jared. Um, you know, someone that, that has, you know, was, was terrific in his two years as an Auburn starting quarterback and has hung around the NFL and is now getting his shot. And I hope it goes very well for, for, for Jared for these last two games as, uh, as the Raiders starting quarterback. Yeah, we'll be following along for sure to see how yeah. that takes place. All right, so as the calendar gets set to turn to 2023, that means baseball season is right around the corner as well. Seems like Auburn baseball already sold out of season tickets. They've got new seats coming to the ballpark. Feels like we're going to be at Plainsman Park before we know it, Andy. Well, we will. Uh, about, a week, about a month and a half is when we'll be at Plainsman Park. Man. Uh, the, the, yeah, the season starts in mid-February in the midst of an SEC basketball schedule and hopefully a, a deep run in the uh, NCAA tournament for both the Auburn men and women. Let's not forget what Coach Jay has done with this team that, no that continues to get better and better. And I know Britt will have the call as the Tigers open up at a very tough Ole Miss tomorrow night. Uh, but, but I like what I've seen from that team in the last, well, I guess since it went to Las Vegas and played, and played very well against a really good Indiana team and then beat Colorado State and has really played well since then. So uh, let's hope that, that both of these teams are making deep postseason runs in the midst of an Auburn baseball season trying to follow up that trip to the College World Series of a year ago. And another year of Mickey Dean leading that softball program, Andy, and tons of momentum Absolutely. with that in sport right around the corner as well. And I think Auburn will be as talented as they've been at Jamie Moore Field for quite some time. Uh, and this is, this is Mickey Dean's team now. I mean, these are his players. Uh, he has a chance to put together a terrific year for this Auburn side. Listen, I mean, you take a look at the sports that Auburn has coming up. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of excitement about Leroy Burrell and what he will do for this track team in the indoor season, the outdoor season, and how he, he continues to recruit there. Both of the tennis teams were terrific a year ago. The women, a Sweet 16 team a year ago. The men in the NCAA tournament for the first time in quite some time. Both of these golf teams, the women, of course, a Final Four team a year ago. Auburn's men have already been ranked number one in the country through the fall season. And, boy, I mean, have put together a very, very good season. Auburn's equestrian team is a national power year in and year out. And this swim team with Ryan Wakamurka continues to get better and better and recruits better and better. And if I've left anyone out, I apologize. <laughs> but this is going to be a very exciting. And then, and then, of course, gymnastics starts, and that's a Final Four team from a year ago to last year for Suni Lee and Darian Goborn uh, here at Neville Arena. So let me tell you what, there, is, there are great reasons to be excited about athletics for Auburn uh, for, for, this, for the start of this 2023 calendar year. That's why we got to bring it up, because it's New Year's resolution time. We're looking at what the year ahead could be like for Auburn Athletics. Uh, we mentioned a new athletic director, John Cohen, set to start his first full year in charge. I know facilities is something that everyone loves to talk about, Andy. There's the brand-new football facility. We were talking softball. I think there's a new playing surface out there at Jane B. Moore Field, and it seems like that's uh, in the forefront of what Auburn wants to accomplish, is continuing to be up to speed in terms of their facilities across campus well john cohen talked about it in his introductory press conference and and listen look what he did at mississippi state with facilities there 
and hopefully he'll be able to do the same thing and even more at Auburn. I mean, he built an absolute palace at Duty Noble Field. No kidding. Uh, and we all know that the, 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 that Plainsman Park uh, needs enhancements. It's a beautiful playing surface, as good a playing surface as you're going to find. But it needs it needs premium seating. It needs unique seating, like seating on top of the performance center. The, the talk of, of of seating on top of uh, uh, of the monster in left, uh, perhaps some suites down the right field line. So yeah, it's it's very very exciting time, and it's a very busy time for John Cohen uh, to get out and listen. When, when you talk facilities, you also have to talk money. I mean, you, you need the money to pledge to the athletic department to put in these types of, uh, of facilities. And who knows what's going to happen at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, I think we will see enhancements at Jordan-Hare Stadium in the years to come. So uh, a very, very exciting time with, with in a lot of regards at Auburn, to be sure. Well, Andy, as we wrap up our conversation here today, just want to say thank you so much for all the chats we've been able to have over the years. It's been so much fun uh, doing the sports call show and having you be on a guest here. And looking forward to hearing you on this very program as we move forward into a new year of sports call. And uh, just wanted to say thank you once again for all the chats we've had, my friend. Well, JJ, I wish you nothing but the best as as you move on. Um, You've done a terrific job with the program that that I was a part of in, in its infancy many, many years ago, and uh, I, I appreciate the work that you've done. I look forward to the work that you'll continue to do uh, for, for Auburn Athletics, uh, and I wish you nothing but the best, and, and I, say you publi- I say to you publicly, congratulations, my friend. Thank you very much, Andy. That means a lot. All right, uh, you got to get focused. I know that they were shooting a little bit ago. We could hear it in the background, and uh, uh, folks, I don't know that that was Andy Burcham working on his jump shot just yet. It was not. Uh, but, there's but, no, there's, <laughs> there is no reason for me to work on my jump shot. <laughs> Uh, but you, you're, you, what time you go on the air tonight, Andy? What are the broadcast details we need to be aware of? Yeah, a reminder that tonight's game is a 6 o'clock start. Okay. So we're on the air at 5.30 on the Auburn Sports Network. Perfect. FM Talk 93.9 here in the area. Andy, thanks so much. We'll talk again soon, okay? My pleasure, guys. Have a happy new year. War Eagle. That's our pal Andy Burcham joining us there on Sports Call. So much fun chatting with him there. Always great and appreciate his insight. And, uh, yeah, it means the world to me that I was able to talk with him in my final week here on this program. With that being said, let's go to our next break. And when we come back, we'll have more of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show here on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. have your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show my name is my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 we're done paying the bills now back to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry. Our thanks again to Andy Burcham for joining us on the show a moment ago. Fun chat with him, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, he put it in proper perspective. Obviously, we have certain sports that we cover 
more than others and that are paid a little bit more attention to. But the reality is Auburn can have a very fun winter and spring so true. Uh, beyond just the basketball court and a lot going right for the Tigers athletics program. And again, um, you know, what he mentioned there with gymnastics, of course, a lot of people are going to be paying attention uh, to gymnastics again this year. Uh, and I think it was Hugh Freeze that talked about it in his press conference uh, on signing day good. where he said, it's not many times you get to be in a room with someone that's literally the best in the world at what they do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what Auburn has in SUNY Lee again. And so um, gymnastics going to be a lot of fun. And, and, yeah, the women's basketball team improving a lot under Coach Jay, already catching up yeah. to their win total of last year. Uh, already, and so we don't know how it'll translate to SEC play. But I mean, there's reason to be very optimistic for the first time in, in a few years for that women's team. And then, uh, of course, you know, you mentioned some of these other sports. Tennis has been really good as of late. Uh, equestrian's always great. Uh, golf has been really Number good. One in the country. Yeah. So I mean, just a lot, a lot to look forward to. Um, beyond just basketball, and and uh, there's going to be a lot going on in Auburn Tigers athletics. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Our first caller due up today, James from Montgomery. James has called into the program. Hi, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle, sir. Yeah, I know this is going to um, be your last day with us, but I wish you all the best of luck, man. Thank you, James. I appreciate it. I got one more day. I'll be here tomorrow. We got one more show tomorrow, uh, but then that yeah. will be it. So if you call me tomorrow, that'll be our last one. Yes, I know. I know that as well because I'm for tomorrow. So I got something very, very, very special for you on your last day. You've got um, a farewell planned for me? Yes, I actually do. I actually do have a farewell plan out in uh, in the process for you. You're, you've been a really great friend to me for so many, many years. And I've been a great friend and a great caller for you for many, many years as well. And maybe... You know, maybe, you know, I would, um, you know, if, if there's another spot might be opening up there for me, I would love to, you know, um, actually be in the in the studio one day. Yeah, we still got to invite you up here. We still got to let you come by the studio sometime and make that happen. And I have certainly appreciated all the phone calls that we've had over the years together, James. It's been a whole lot of fun. <clears throat> yes, as well. Well, with a lot of sports, I'm going to actually um, break the ice on this one. I'm actually going to be looking at Auburn and Florida tonight okay. and, uh, seeing, and seeing if Auburn is going to beat Florida. And I'm hoping that... Um, you know, that we're going to get a good win out of this one in Neville Arena. So I think this is going to be a sold-out uh, crowd, just like Andy said uh, just a few minutes ago. Um, it, it's going to be a really good game between these two teams in uh, Auburn and Florida. I mean, they're really good on paper, but I think Auburn might come out with a with a 63-26 to 26, uh, lead in, in the fourth quarter of the game as well. I mean, no, that's regular – basketball in the second quarter of the game as well second half yeah yeah second half of the game as well uh, i always get college basketball mixed up with um pro basketball i i need to know my sports as well james who do you think is going to have a good game 
I think Auburn would have a good game because I know the, I know that the jungle is going to be rocking and it's going to, you know, it's going to be rocking for for a lot of Auburn fans as well, and um, it's going to be loud. So I know uh, Florida. I know they're not going to, you know, take in a lot of crowd noise. So I don't know how that's going to control them, but I think we're going to win this one as well. So I have great high hopes for Auburn as well. Um, any specific players do you want to see do well? Um, I'm actually looking at um, I'm looking at Broom. That that's who I'm looking at. He's yeah. been a good player yeah, lately. He's been, he's been playing pretty well. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Yeah, so I'm actually looking at him, and he looks like an NBA player for the 2023 uh, NBA draft. So I'm really going to look at him tonight and seeing if he's going to, you know, make a lot of a lot of three point shots or you know three yeah. point shots off the off the arc or uh, close shots in the paint. So I think he's gonna yeah. he's gonna really have to work hard as yeah. well. Yeah, he's got a tough matchup tonight against Colin Castleton, so uh, he's he's gonna have to bring his best. James, historic performance last night for your buddy Luca. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I almost forgot about that because uh, my uh, Dallas Mavericks uh, last night, they actually won, and Luca actually made it into the uh, Dallas history books as well. So he's going to improve this week. Um, not this week, but next week he's going to improve, and I think we might make it to the NBA Finals as well. Going to be hard to improve off a, a 60-20-10 night, but uh, yeah, I'm sure he's going to continue playing well, and uh, hopefully the Mavericks um, can continue to build off of the success that uh, he's created for them because, I mean, honestly, as far as Luka goes, that's that's as far as the Mavericks go. Yes, they have a long way to go as well because we do have the last two games of our schedule to close out the 2022 season and play on the road in uh, Houston. So that's going to be a win. And then we play a big matchup with the uh, San Antonio Spurs. So that's going to be another win as well. So I had to see um, if the San Antonio Spurs play tonight. So I had to watch them tonight and uh, seeing who we're going to stop yeah. for next week as well. Yeah, a couple of games there in Texas for the Mavericks before the uh, 2022 calendar year comes to a close. Still a way to go until we get to the playoffs. But i got to ask, 61 points for Luka last night, had 21 rebounds and 10 assists. A massive, massive triple-double for Luka. Which of those was most impressive to you, James? Was it the points, the rebounds, or the assists? I would have to say that would have been the points that he's actually earned on uh, last night's game. And with that, I mean, he, he reminds me of Dirk Nowinski. He has that Dirk Nowinski, um, you know, style to him as well because I can actually put him with uh, the Dallas Mavericks, um, you know, point record in uh, Dirk Nowinski as well. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually uh, looking at week 17 for the NFL and seeing who's going to actually step up and uh, try to make it to the playoffs. It's a it's a it's a tough race to the playoffs, and it, it's some great teams out there that are trying to look like a Super Bowl contender team. I'm looking at um, I'm looking at the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, the New York Giants, uh, the. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
the the Dallas Cowboys, um, just to name those few right off the bat, right off the record. But it's it's hard to to determine on Week 17 as well. What about Jarrett Stidham getting to start for the Raiders? He gets his first start against the 49ers. Yes, I am going to be watching. I will be watching that game, and I think that Jarrett Stenham is going to do a really good job with the Las, the Las Vegas Raiders, and I think he's going to really do it really, you know, really good as well. So I'm hoping that he's really going to um, improve that starting job with the Las Vegas Raiders and seeing if they might make it to the uh, if they're going to make it to the Super Bowl this year as well. Because I would like to see a Raider. I would like to see the Las Vegas Raiders go to the Super Bowl as well. It's going to be a little difficult for the Raiders to accomplish this season, James. But maybe, maybe, maybe they can make a big time push here at the end. We'll have to wait and see. Yes, as well. And then with NFL news, I've been hearing a lot about Tuatonga Baloa. He just got into his second um, protocol. So um, Tuatonga Baloa, I don't know if he's going to actually play um, for the remaining of the season. Yeah. So I think I think he was saying from last week's game. I think he said that he want to retire from playing in the NFL, but. I just don't know if that's going to be possible for him to actually come back. So I don't know who's going to step up um, after Tua is gone, and I don't know where he's going to where he's going to um, play as well. Yeah, he's just got to take care of himself. I mean, it's really hard to see these kind of brain injuries come to his way with the concussions that he's suffering. He's got to be very, very careful with what he does. And the Dolphins have a big game coming up this weekend as well as everybody's trying to get ready for the playoffs and the Dolphins go on the road to take on New England. Yes, as well, because with the uh, Miami Dolphins, I'm pretty sure that that's going to be in favor of the New England Patriots. So the Patriots might take that win because I know it's going to be cold up there in uh, New England with the with the chill factor. So I think New England might take that as well. Any final thoughts for us today, James? Um, I don't have any final thoughts as well, uh, not that I know of. Okay, but you're going to call me tomorrow, and you're going to have a farewell surprise for me, right? I sure would. And then for me to actually get out uh, out of here, I would like to have some uh, uh, Alamo trivia. Alamo trivia. Okay. To close it out. To close it out. Here's your question. Where is the Alamo located, James? That will actually be in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah? Very good. Great job with that. All right, let me ask you this. Do you know who was the elected leader of the Texas forces at the Alamo? I will actually have to take a long guess at this one. That would be no other than General Sam Houston. He was in the area, and James Bowie was there as well. Remember James Bowie? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then what is the name of the stadium that honors the Alamo? That will have to be that will have to be Alamo Stadium. The Alamo Dome. Oh yes, the Alamo Dome. Yes. As well. Very, very good. And then we'll see the Alamo Bowl play tomorrow. Who's playing in the Alamo Bowl? Um, I would have to say that will be 
I would have to say that would be Oklahoma and Kentucky. Close. Uh, Texas is playing in Washington. Texas and Washington are playing in the Alamo Bowl tomorrow. Okay, so I would um, be watching that one as well. And I have Texas actually favored to win that one as well because I am a huge Texas fan. So well, very I good. Would, I would actually have to see uh, the Texas Longhorns actually winning that game as well. Very good. Do you want any trivia tomorrow? Um, yes, I would actually like to have trivia as well because with bowl season, um, I'll probably have college football um, bowl trivia history as Okay, well. all right, and then I'll get that farewell surprise tomorrow. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. There's our pal James from Montgomery joining us there on Sports Call. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 The Alamo Bowl tomorrow, guys. In San Antonio, Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kublik, the SEC Network Saturday Night crew will be on the call for that one. Anything intriguing about that matchup to you guys? So we've got about a minute left in the hour. Washington and Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I think that you have to... Sarkeesian has ties to both schools, uh, I guess. You have to always be careful uh, with this because you never know who's playing and not playing this time of year. But in theory... A Michael Penix versus Quinn Ewers quarterback yeah. matchup is a really high-quality college football quarterback matchup. So I think a lot of points should be scored. Be interesting to watch those offenses. I can't wait to see what happens in that game tomorrow evening. More bowl games coming your way a little bit later tonight as well. Our thanks again to Andy Burcham for stopping by this hour. Retired Wardam Steve is set to join the show in just a little bit. There's a new Sports Call Player of the Week. There's birthdays in sports. Joe Bartle from Rotowire stops by. We've got a lot to get into on today's edition of Sports Call. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Sports Call. 
second hour of Sports Call getting started right now here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson here inside the studio with Cam Barry and Ryan Lavoy. A very fun first hour of our program with good phone calls and an awesome conversation with our good buddy Andy Burcham from the Auburn Sports Network. Always enjoy catching up with him to talk about what's going on in the life of Auburn athletics. We've got Auburn basketball later tonight. The men's team takes on Florida in their first SEC game of the season. Looking forward to that. Auburn, uh, and not just Auburn, but the SEC as a whole, is the very last conference in major college basketball to play their first conference games. So many other leagues Mm. have played two or three conference games so far. The SEC said, let's wait a little bit. Let's let Christmas come and go. And now we're really going to dive into conference competition. So that's really exciting that here it is now. And I imagine it is something to do with the fact that the SEC has that SEC Big 12 challenge that is within the conference schedule. It's late January, and typically these leagues do their challenges and part of the non-conference schedule in November or December, like the ACC Big Ten, which will become, by the way, the ACC SEC, and they will get together and do that in the future. But I imagine it has something to do with that and leaving that week kind of alone from the conference perspective, and that's why the other conferences already have a a couple games in the books because they can – earlier in the year and and actually SEC play just began uh, 55 seconds ago because Tennessee just tipped off in Oxford against Ole Miss but uh, yeah I I think that uh, this is still the more traditional way of doing it these other leagues primarily did not used to start in the beginning of December like they do sometimes and you just go solidly throughout conference play so this is more what we're accustomed to but uh, it is very exciting. Uh, not every team, by the way, because I'm looking at the full schedule, uh, not every single team is partaking tonight. Georgia would like to play Ryder tonight in Athens. Uh, decidedly not an SEC team is Ryder. But uh, there are some good ones tonight because, uh, obviously, the Sovereign Florida game. But Arkansas going to 11-1 LSU. So that's a real test for both those teams. Uh, you know, it's always hard to win on the road. Alabama going to the hump to play 11-1 Mississippi State. Uh, and, I mean, even to some degree, you know, Kentucky at Missouri. Missouri's 11-1. They're part of the type of teams that we were talking about with Andy where, you know, some of these teams just have bloated records. Some of these teams played like three decent teams and ten really bad teams in the non-conference and have very bloated <laughs> records, but some are pretty good, and, and there's a whole slew of them. Like I said, LSU, Mississippi State, and Missouri – all 11-1, but all teams that did not figure to be, at the very minimum, did not figure to be top 25 teams, but maybe did not figure to be NCAA tournament teams either. And so are those teams for real? Are they going to slide back and have 6-12, and 7-11 SEC campaigns that net them an NIT appearance and not an NCAA tournament appearance? Right. We're going to start finding that out tonight. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry as we get set to move forward in the program today. Let's celebrate our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, birthdays in sports here today on December 28th, 2022. Happy birthday. Adam Vinatieri is celebrating his birthday today. 50 years old. Former NFL place kicker. The all-time leading scorer in the NFL. Four-time Super Bowl champion, three-time All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler. You know, Andy was talking about the fact that Daniel Carlson 
not a pro bowler this year. You're telling me in a 24-year career, Adam Vinatieri only made three Pro Bowls. That's kind of wild to think about, yeah, that you know? Crazy. Doesn't make sense. Does not Do you make only sense. get one kicker per league? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. Something okay. like that, you so, would imagine. And I mean, to be fair, one kicker, kicker you're not hunter. rotating kickers, but that, that also shows you that Pro Bowl, you, you've got to be perceptive about where it matters more, you know? And, and sometimes it is uh, very important to grade out. And sometimes it is kind of misleading because maybe you have a position where all those guys got hurt or they opted out or they're still playing in, in the playoffs. And so you went had to go to, like, number seven to, to get to that Pro Bowl spot. Uh, spot. So uh, it can be a little bit misleading. I think in Adam and Terry's case, it's very misleading. Yeah, he's the uh, all-time leading scorer, as we said in the league, 2,673 points. He's got the record also for the most consecutive field goals made, 44, Mr. Automatic. Uh, most games played with 397 and most career field goals. He made 599, one shy of 600 career-made field goals in a 24-year career. As a high school football player, he was an all-state selection as a linebacker, quarterback, and kicker. Quite the football player in the state of of South Dakota. Oh, that Some makes South sense. Dakota football love uh, and played college football at South Dakota State as well. Happy oh. 50th birthday, Adam Vinatieri. I wonder how much talent there really is out in South it's Dakota. It's fair to ask, but I mean, look, he's an all-state hey, quarterback. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. I, you know, uh, another Patriot Edelman was a quarterback in, in college, so they... They just they take you and they turn you into something. Yeah, something somebody's got to be quarterback at South Dakota. <laughs> right. Like you well, have to have quarterbacks. Those have to exist. And so Vinatieri was one of them. Did Vinatieri end up playing more years in Indianapolis? Because I feel like he did. We all remember him for the Patriots days more than anything because he has two game winning kicks in the, in Super Bowls. But I'm pretty sure he ended up as a Colt longer than a Patriot. Not that. Not that he would go in the Hall of Fame as a Colt or anything like that. And again, I said the the memories of him are still predominantly from New England. But he I was really, longer with the Colts. Okay, yes. so I, I, you know, it's kind of interesting that he could go that long, but doesn't matter. Still, ten years with the Patriots, fourteen years with the Colts. Dang. For uh, for Adam Vinatieri. DJ Humphreys is celebrating his birthday, 29 years old. Offensive tackle for the Cardinals. He was a number one ranked tackle in the class of 2012 and signed with Florida. Uh, a freshman All-American, one of the best offensive linemen in the SEC. During his time, he was the 24th overall pick in the 2015 NFL Draft by the Cardinals. He was a pro bowler for one season in 2021. DJ Humphreys is 29. Austin Barnes is turning 33 years old, the catcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, a four-year starter in high school in California, played college baseball at Arizona State, started as a sophomore. Following his junior year, he was drafted in the ninth round by the Marlins, traded to the Dodgers in 2014, and was called up a year later. He has been the team's backup catcher ever since, a one-time World Series champion. Austin Barnes turns 33 years old today. And then finally, John Henson is celebrating his birthday today. He is 32 years old, former NBA center, a high school All-American in the state of Florida, signed to play college basketball for the North Carolina Tar Heels. He became a starter immediately and broke out as a sophomore, a two-time Defensive Player of the Year in the ACC, declared for the draft after his sophomore season, where he was taken 14th overall by the Milwaukee Bucks. 
with uh, and, and spent six seasons with the team. He last played in the NBA in 2020. John Henson is now a professional basketball player for Mets de Gabinaro of the BSN. Sure. Sure. I wish I knew what that was. I'm sure he's a great shot blocker yeah. there with those long arms, and yeah. he was an American. Gosh, so. his wingspan was insane, man. Yeah. Man, he, he, he was kind of like Mr. Gadget on the. I if mean, he, if he tried a hook shot, it looked like he had to just like conveyor belt his arm out <laughs> and then just flip. Uh, that that dude was very long. What a guy, John Henson, celebrating his. Uh, yeah, here we go, Balesto, Valencesto <laughs> Superior National League is the first tier level professional men's basketball league in Puerto Rico. Oh. There are 12 professional basketball teams in Puerto Rico, and John Henson plays for one of them. Congrats. Yeah, great great for John. Yeah. Happy birthday. Adam Vinatieri is 50. DJ Humphreys is 29. John Henson is 32. Austin Barnes is 33. And Cam's dad. My dad. Papa turning, Barry is, uh, is celebrating his birthday today. Turning 59? There we go. Happy yeah, birthday. That sounds right. 59. Happy birthday. That's our birthdays in sports brought to you by our friends at Max Credit Union. All right. 334-887-3401. If you want to call in and be a part of Sports Call here today as we take this opportunity to go back to our phone lines and joining us now on the program. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve now joins us. Hello, Steve. Good afternoon, Mr. J.J. Jackson and Mr. Ryan LaVault, Mr. Cam Berry. Yes, sir. Good Hello. afternoon to you. Hey, Mr. Camberry, uh, I hope that your dad has a uh, well-deserved and uh, hopefully enjoyable uh, birthday. Yes, sir. He's uh, a young 59, is that right? A young 59, yep. Okay, see, young to me is relative. Uh, <laughs> as I get older, the younger becomes younger. Right, uh, right. All right, well, let's, uh, let's get to it, guys. Back to tonight's game. Uh, look at some stats about our team, and apparently we rank fourth. In the SEC, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, the most points scored against uh, by opponents against our team, so that's not too shabby, right? Not no? too shabby at all. No, not too shabby. No. Okay, now here's what is somewhat uh, to me. Uh, uh, just uh, I, I didn't know these kind of stats about our team when it comes to playing Florida, even though we have a overall winning record against them. We are five and two against them at Neville Stadium. Neville Arena. Did Neville you know Arena. That? Yeah, uh, five and two against them at Neville Arena. I, I didn't know the exact record, but um, I guess not too surprising. Uh, that is surprising. I mean, usually, I thought uh, that our places, you know, pretty difficult for most opponents to, uh, to win at home. Uh, but I guess I thought wrong. Yeah, but it, you got to you got to think about that. It's only in the Bruce Pearl tenure where it has been hard to win at home. So, and because they don't play every single year at home, you know that is you know I, I mean the, I don't I know Bruce has lost a couple games to Florida and especially Auburn's but Auburn's had perennially awful luck in Florida. That's well documented how bad they've been in Gainesville. Uh, but again, or even early Bruce Pearl era, we're, we're really just talking a, a three or four year stretch here where Auburn has changed their program. But prior to that, Auburn Arena at that time, now Neville Arena, 
was not necessarily a special place where other people were intimidated to play. Okay. Well, I didn't know this as well, Ron. Maybe you're not surprised. I am. We are 4-4 four and four in SEC openers in the Pearl, Bruce Pearl era. Again, you know, I mean, you're talking about the first three Auburn teams that Pearl had were, were not very good. And then he had one other team in 2020 that was not very good. So when you look at it, you know, Auburn's had about four good Bruce Pearl teams and they've had uh, about four not so good Bruce Pearl yep. teams. So I don't know if it lines up perfectly like that where the four good ones were the wins and the four bad ones were the losses. But again, I could I can come up with something around that that as being reasonable. Okay, besides uh, Mr. Castleton, who else does Auburn need to be I guess uh, watching uh, closely and and, and maybe uh, really guarding? Well, I mean, Castleton is by far and away. I, I, I will find you someone else to to keep an eye on, but they are a seven and five team. Uh, so they are struggling right. a little bit. They've got a couple of other guys that average around 10 points a game. Tyree Appleby's not on the team. Anymore, Appleby right? transferred. Yeah, he transferred. Um, and he is at Wake Forest now. Yep. Uh, so that was their second best player, Steve, was, was Appleby. So, I mean, I mean, I don't even know if you would, who you define your, your, their second best player as. They've got someone that is shooting uh, Will Richard that's that's shooting 45% from three, averaging 10 a game. Uh, so maybe watch out for his three ball. But, again, it, it really goes through Castleton with this team. He's a all-SEC player for a reason. And if Auburn quiets him, uh, they're going to be in great position to win. Well, I was reading just real briefly uh, about this gentleman who's a transfer, a graduate transfer from uh, – from, uh, anyway, from St. Bonaventure, yeah. Kyle Lofton. Uh, what do you know about him? Leads the team in assists. Yeah, good good assist guy, but I mean, even still, you know, four assists a night, and I'm looking up his numbers. I really can't think of him. Well, I really haven't seen him play. Uh, he's a very inefficient player. He averages eight a game. He shoots 37.5% from the field and only 30% from three. So he's not a very efficient scorer. Uh, as Cam said, leads team in assists, but at four assists a game in 30 minutes, that's nothing to write home about. Okay. All right. Uh, you know the line tonight is minus five and a half. We're favored. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, you think it's going to be that much of a close nail-biter or, or not? I tend towards Auburn will cover slightly. I think Auburn will win – a high single-digit game around a nine, eight to nine-point game. Uh, I do think Florida will slow the pace down. Uh, I do think Auburn, as we know, has had a lot of problems when that has been the case. Although they are coming off their best offensive game, I know it's not the most points they scored this season, but I would call it their best offensive game of the year, given that it was on the road against the Pac-12 team. So Auburn hopefully can parlay that into some momentum, but. Auburn will not roll out of bed most days and shoot great from the perimeter and just look like the world is going to be set on fire. So I do expect Castleton to play well, and I do expect this to be uh, a more physical, lower-scoring game. And anytime it's lower-scoring, excuse me, you're going to have a little more trouble blowing out that team. Yeah, I saw the total score tonight is uh, 139 from Vegas. Yes. Yeah, so so you're, you don't expect it to go above that then? That would be – I guess that would be like a – 73 to 66 type of game i guess that'd equal about 139 140 yeah i i think it's i think it's around that i think it's uh you you should get to 
70, maybe 75 would be a safe number. I do not see how both teams score 75. So I think 70 w- would give you the victory. Okay. Uh, moving on real quickly, guys. Uh, today in uh, NFL history, uh, several things occurred on this day. In 1958, you have any clue what might have occurred, Mr. Ryan Because you have been the champion of trivia <laughs> uh, for the past several days. He's pretty impressive with it. Uh, 1958. Uh, right, on this date. Not in particular, not off the top of my head. Tell us, Steve. Well, there was an NFL game that occurred between the Colts, back then they were called the Baltimore Colts, and the New York Giants. It was called the greatest game ever played. Okay. It was called that because it was the first NFL championship game, uh, because this was before the Super Bowl era, uh, that involved the first overtime. And the Colts did win it in overtime, uh, and they said it was for a sloppy game uh, from, from what I read here. Uh, apparently, there were eight uh, fumbles that occurred. Dang. I don't know so, if that makes yeah. it the great. <laughs> I don't know if that makes it the greatest game ever played. That, that, does, that seems to detract a little bit. Well, apparently, it was the most watched game ever in uh, NFL at that time. 45 million viewers oh, wow. uh, watched it. Yeah, uh, and it, it went into overtime. Twenty-three seventeen was the final, but uh, more surprisingly, I didn't I, I didn't know this. But two uh, very uh, historic names in the NFL uh, were in this game. One played, and the other was assistant coach. Vince Lombardi was assistant coach then with the New York Giants, and none other than former running back, former also NFL Monday Night TV host Frank Gifford. He played in the game. Interesting. So, uh, moving on to that, there was another uh, NFL history-making game that occurred on this day, too. Uh, do you have any clue what might have occurred? Uh, and I'll give you the actual date for this. Uh, 1975, uh, James, who calls off and loves Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, tell us uh, what happened. They, they played 1975. It was known, well-known because a certain phrase apparently was cemented in NFL uh, low, uh, I guess, uh, uh, phraseology. How about them Cowboys? No. America's team? Uh, no. What was it? I don't know then. In fact, Mr. Roger Stallback was the person who made this catchphrase, uh, I guess, uh, submitted for, uh, not in NFL maybe, but even in college. The Hail Mary Pass. Oh, okay. And why? Because... Roger Stallback threw a 50-yard, I've never seen this one, a 50-yard touchdown pass to Drew Pearson in the last seconds of the game to beat the Minnesota Vikings in a playoff. And uh, when they asked him you know, uh, about the call, he called it the Hail Mary Pass. There you go. And now we know that to be so famous in the sport. How about that? 1975 so on this day. Pretty right. good. If you didn't know it then. You do now. <laughs> Amen. You do now. Amen. You Final thought now. for us today, Steve, before we got to let you okay. go. Who was the last NBA player prior to uh, what was done last night uh, by Luka? Is that his name? Yes, Luka Doncic. To have scored, yeah, to have scored more than sixty points in an NBA game. Score, score, sixty, sixty. Devin Booker yeah, had a seventy-point game Booker. recently, uh, but uh, I don't know if he would have been the last one. The recorded at least sixty points and twenty rebounds in a game. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, uh, Will. What? Elgin Baylor? No. Kareem? 
No, he is on some uh, NBA uh, games. As he, as I, you got it, Mr. Shaquille Shaq. O'Neal. Big Thanks. fella. He's the last person to have done it. And finally, uh, this is astounding, uh, catcher Sean Murphy of the Braves signed a six-year, $73 million contract. Is that right? Yes, yep, got him locked up. Holy crap. It's a good okay. deal for him. That's a good deal. Yep. Now, I hope to hear that you sign some kind of a, a contract uh, to equal uh, uh, that, that kind of a uh, money. Uh, <laughs> so I want to hear that from you, okay? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Uh, all right. Uh, and, and by the way, you know, Mr. George Ferguson, uh, I don't know where what he was drinking or smoking, but uh, Mr. Yvonne Cutler, as much as I like him, miss him. Uh, but he's got nothing on you, okay? I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you, All Steve. Right. All right. So with that said, you know, uh, I, I plan on and love to hear you tomorrow. We yep. say your final the farewell of the podcast. And uh, good day. Good day. Thank you, Steve. That's our good buddy, retired Ward M. Steve, joining us on the program. 334-887-3401. Next caller due up here on the show today, we've got... Terry from Talladega. Terry has called into Sports Call. What's going on, Terry? Hey, guys, I'm from Auburn, actually. <laughs> I meant to say that. Yes, you're uh, right. <laughs> um, uh, used to be terrible. How you guys doing? Uh, doing well, well, sir. Great, great. Um, isn't there a greatest NFL game played every year? It feels I mean, like that, it. That's what I'm saying. Every year you hear that, it's going to be the greatest game ever we played. We just rebrand the game, yeah. I mean, I guarantee there's one every other year. And uh, I, But I pretty much think every year. There's some some semblance to that. So, and how could seventy three million dollars be bad? <laughs> right. And what they said they got got for the Braves six years seventy three million. Yeah. Yeah. How could seventy three million be bad? I'm I'd sorry. take it. So that's, <laughs> yeah. Is that who wouldn't? Yeah. Who wouldn't? Um, you know, I say is, is the thing in the in the portal with Auburn, the quarterback from Coastal Carolina, is that pretty much dead, or is that still alive in some sense? I'm. Pretty sure it's dead. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it seemed like the academic issue yeah. thing. Auburn and doesn't that's not... have his major in sports yeah. management. Well, I never know if they're going to try to wiggle by it or around it somehow. I said, you know, you never know. So I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know how that would work. Um, you, you guys think we'll hear more out of the portal after the bowl season is fully complete? Yes, because I think there'll be another wave of, of people hitting the portal. Uh, not as big of the wave as we've seen already, but I think there'll still be a second round of it. And the fact that January 6th, on-campus visits can kick back up. So uh, right now you can't mm. even have visitors on campus, but you'll be able to get more folks here on campus, which I think will help out Auburn. Well, how important do you guys think it is? You know, Auburn's got to get a quarterback. I think they need another body for the room, but I think they really need somebody to go through spring. And the guy that went to Kentucky for North Carolina State, I don't think he could participate in spring. I think that's really important. Do you guys think that is? Yeah, and I think it's important to Hugh Freeze, too. He was asked about that uh, on signing day and that he made the comment that if you were a three-star, you became a four-star in his mind if you were available to come early in the semester and be there for spring ball. And if you were a four-star, you became a five-star and so on. So he he clearly values that. He's talked a lot about how uh, there's a lot of depth needed and a lot of guys that they need to get going immediately uh, to start working on. So I, I definitely think uh, he's going to want to whoever he can get to, to be available for spring, yes. And see, I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact he signed more linemen in three weeks than Malzahn, that other idiot we had, did in three years. True, he did. He, he, so, he went really he, hard to get to get after the trenches. He knew that was an, a big position of need. 
Well, he needs to. He recognizes the problems yep. and where the deficiencies lie, and that's been a problem for age. I can't remember the last time we had a decent offensive line. Probably 2018. Yeah. So, now as far as the basketball game, and I'll ask you guys, I know like, Auburn's had a lot of trouble with Florida and, and down in Gainesville, but how are they down here in the Auburn Arena, now Neville Arena? I know Castleton's their go-to guy. Everything runs through him, or Castle, whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, the big guy at Florida, who's school, Walter Kessler last yeah, year. Yeah, you had it right. It scares me what to think he might do to Janiya Broom. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't know. It just, it just seems like some teams, some teams have your numbers, kind of yeah. like Alabama going to Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, 25 straight wins for Auburn at home in Neville Arena, and Florida was the last team to beat them in the building. So we'll see if uh, if they've got a little bit of that special juice this evening uh, or if Auburn's going to be able to pick up a win like that. And then now, I'd like to trade. I see Trey Donaldson continue to diminish to grow. Oh, yeah. He, he's been Definitely. playing really, really well now that he's gotten back into the rotation. I don't think he should have ever been out of the rotation in the first no. place, uh, but glad to see him back inserted in there. I, I just, I don't know. Green, I think he tends to, he's, look, Auburn would be a 6-16 six and 16 without him. I, I'd agree with that. But he tends to shoot too quickly. He tends to heave up 28, 27, 28 foot shots. And everybody says, that's Bruce Pearl's office. What he likes to do, he doesn't like to lose. And if you're even a bad shots, you're you're not going to hit those shots unless you're well, Trey Young at Atlanta or somebody 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 along those lines. Right. And then, even those guys don't hit them consistently. So, you know, JJ, when you guys out here, uh, the poor damn Steve talk about when you guys is leaving. I'm I'm, I'm headed out of here, Terry. I've got a uh, I've got a new opportunity coming my way. So this is my Man. last week with the show. Okay. Well, good luck to you. Thank JJ, you very much. Yeah, I'll still be doing. Uh, I'll still be calling Auburn athletics. I'll still be doing baseball, softball commentary with uh, with Auburn and the SEC Network Plus, and uh, some more exciting full time news that I'll be able to announce in the uh, in the new year. So it's been five yeah, years too. with this show, and uh, ready to hand it over to Ryan. And he's going to do a great job. Are you, are you still going to be in the area? Or I will be. Some? Yes, I will okay. be in the area, okay. based out of here. Yep. Well, good luck to you. Now I can now I can get on Ryan's there for a few there years. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks you for the call care. today, Terry. Sure. We Have appreciate it. That's a Terry from Auburn, formerly from Talladega, and he's joining us there on a Sports Call. Time to take a break. Time to bid farewell to Cam Barry for the day. Yes, sir. Man, it's been a whole lot of fun doing this show with you, brother. It has been a lot of fun, JJ. I appreciate you for the opportunities that you've given me, taking me in as an intern and helping me grow in my career and everything. And uh, uh, blessed to know you, and I, I I appreciate everything. I really do. And Absolutely. You've been a great help. and uh, We're still going to be I friends, man. Best. Yeah, I, I wish you the best in, in everything that yeah, you do. Yeah, no doubt. Go be great. And uh, Thunder Chickens for Life, baby. Thunder Chickens for Life. Same to you, brother. We'll take a break. Sports Call continues in a moment. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back 
on Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan Lavoy on a Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. College football bowl season is off and moving this weekend. We've got those playoff games. Uh, we've got, of course, Auburn basketball later tonight taking on Florida in their first SEC game of the year. Sunday, a full slate of NFL games, second to last week in the National Football League before the playoffs are here. So good time of year to be a sports fan, that's for sure. If you want to be a part of the program, all of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Give us a call to join the show, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. To the phone lines we go, and joining us now on the program, we've got my very good pal. Let's see where he's at here today. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff has called into the program. Hi, Jeff. Hey, good evening, guys. Man, I was uh, I was about to hang up because I thought you were going to keep me on hold. I didn't... <laughs> When you said you're very good friend, I just knew it wasn't me. Uh, it's always going to be you, Jeff. Hey, I got you. Hey, JJ, uh, this will probably be my last call with you, so I'd like to talk a little college basketball with you. Um, I like that sport a little bit. But, well, the thing is, I'm not going to. I just like to. I don't know a whole lot and don't care enough about it. But I will use some college basketball, I guess, to segue into a little bit of a conversation. Okay. My daughter just... My daughter just texted me, and she and her friends are up in Gainesville, Georgia, which I have no idea where it is, but Florida Gators, are who Auburn plays this evening, I guess, right. are based in From in a Gainesville. Gainesville, yes. Yes, a Gainesville. And I looked to find out where Gainesville is, and I saw Asheville, North Carolina. Did you really? I did. That is short. So is it pretty close to Asheville, I guess? I reckon, yeah. I know that there are parts of Georgia that are right there, uh, you know, right there at the uh, at the border. But uh, I really – I've heard of Gainesville, Georgia before. But, Jeff, truthfully, I can't say I've ever been through there or by it or anything like that. I thought – now, she had told me, I guess maybe she just rounded about, but she said she was going to Gatlinburg. Right. So is Gatlinburg and Asheville close together? It is. It is. That's on the uh, on the okay. eastern side of Tennessee. So, uh, hour okay. or so drive so, away. Well, shoot. See, we did get to talk a little basketball then. Uh, got Gainesville in there, but uh, man, I tell you, JJ, I I, I really uh, don't have a lot to say. But I uh, I wanted to make sure I did get to say hello to you, Thank you. or say goodbye to you before you <laughs> left. Uh, and I never can tell what my schedule's going to be. Right. I sure am going to miss you. I didn't realize you'd been there that long. Isn't it crazy? Uh, uh, it is. I, well, I, I can't believe I've been actually listening to this show this long. <laughs> you know, so. And even longer. I mean, you were one of the first guys I connected yeah. with, Jeff. And I really, despite yeah. our, our differences in, in college football teams yeah. that we love to follow, yeah. I adore your personality, Jeff. You always keep us entertaining and laughing. And I speak for the rest of the crew here that's going to keep the show going. Like, we definitely want Jeff oh, from yeah. Columbus to continue to be a part of the program. Well, like I say, you're, you, you've got a great personality, personality too. It's, uh, <laughs> it's going to, uh, I mean, no matter how bad things get, 
you've always got a bright side. I've got it, to. It yeah. Yeah, it takes a special person to do that, and uh, uh, um, uh, I'm glad that I'm, I'm I'm glad you're going to be around. You say you're still going to be based there uh, in this area, then? Yeah, so I can't get, I can't give away too many full details, but but basically, I, 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 I can't I share can. this, Jeff. I'm going to have uh, right. obviously my broadcast schedule is going to stay the same with Auburn. I'm still going to be working right. with the softball team very closely. Going to be at their opening weekend right. in Clearwater. Going to have a good number of baseball games on the SEC Network once again. Hoping to work again with Georgia Tech this upcoming baseball season. And then I'm going yeah. to get I'm going to get to spend a lot of professional work time in the state of North Carolina back home a little bit. So um, it's oh, it's man. it's going to be a good blend of back and forth between a couple of spots uh, here and there. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited yeah. about this next chapter for sure. I tell you, with all that traveling, I don't know when you're ever going to get married. Now that's the <laughs> thing, though. I got to. You got to settle down sometime. Yeah, but, no uh, kidding. Hey, I'm, Maybe I'm sure everything. My thought process, Jeff. Right is that the more travel right. and the more miles you cover, the more exposure to a number of different women that come into uh, into my life, and maybe just maybe I'll run into one. That's for sure. Hey, everything go. happens for a reason. Amen. Everything happens for a reason, and you know that's the truth. So, and uh, but like I say, I I don't know if there's anybody else on your crew that is. I don't want to say sheltered. What's the word I'm looking for, Ryan? What is? Uh, well, I mean, if you haven't seen The Godfather, still haven't seen that. Still haven't seen Fridays. <laughs> Naive. Not as cultured. Uh, cultured. Naive. Well, naive, yeah. I'm not uh, cultured. That's uh, fair. Cultured. Okay, that's it. But, but hey, you're anything from ignorant or right. uneducated. <laughs> you are. So I didn't want to say anything like that. But you're, 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 you're gullible. Is it gullible? No. No. That's not a good word. I think he's but just lacking cu- culture. I think he's just lacking culture. culture. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, but but. Uh, what movie what is it, Jeff? So is it is it The Godfather that that still rubs you the wrong way that still, I haven't seen I, that one? I, I just well. Like if there was one, or is there is there one thing? Well, see, no, there is. Okay. Because for all I know, Jeff, I could magically appear in this studio one day in, say, June 2023, and I will speak to the success that we've had on this program, and I will be a little arrogant here, which I try not to be, and I will assume that I've got an open invitation on this program whenever, and maybe I do happen to show up on a random June edition of Sports Call in 2023, and I only want to talk about seeing The Godfather for the first time. (laughs) I exactly. Hey, but I guarantee you, my wife has not sat through the whole Godfather. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. So that's the thing, too, though, Jeff, is like, look, like people absolutely love the first Avatar. Okay, I didn't see Avatar. The second one is now in theaters and the second one has a three hour and 10 minute runtime. How does one think I'm supposed to get through that? (laughs) Right, exactly. Now, see, you got me there. Three hours and ten minutes for a movie? I mean, yeah, unless it's The Godfather, I'm not watching it. (laughs) I mean, it's bad. J.J., one thing I'll always remember, well, there's several things. Two things I'll remember. I I remember when you, shortly, when you first started, 
I guess within that first month or something, you you were on leave. What was it? Uh, you were doing a company business or whatever, yeah. right? And uh, and Brooks was there, and somebody had called in. It's not a name I'm familiar with, and they were talking and they were asking where the who is the lady announcer that you have <laughs> on the show now? Right. And Brooks was sitting there, lady, we. You mean JJ? Yeah. And he goes, yeah, that's her name. And I go, what? I go, what? Now, JJ, I have never gotten that impression, but apparently some people do, and I just, I just don't get it. The uh, but, the internet yeah. reminds me of that frequently, Jeff. I, I do the bad thing oh, after okay. I do a broadcast where I search my name and uh, I see that from time to time. I, I deal with the voice no God way. has given me, and and yeah, it, it it is a trend out there, unfortunately. But fortunately, I've got way more positive love than some haters out there, so I'm okay. I know. I that. sleep well I, at night. You probably. You probably don't get it as bad when you announce women's softball than when you do men's basketball. No, you are absolutely I, I, right. Like that, it's it's I, just I, okay. I'm like, come on, people! <laughs> wow. Yeah. And one other thing was we were talking about, I guess, because of the poker run. Okay. And we were talking about playing poker, and you goes. I don't know what a royal flush is. And your mom even called in that day. Your mom goes, JJ, JJ. But I I couldn't understand how you didn't understand it wasn't a royal flush when you have a jack, a king, and a queen. Right. And so that's what I mean, the little things. But that uh, that I think you overthink things. Dude, probably what it my, is. There's like a it, there, there's an NCIS, you know. There's a sequence where it's like a little right. knock up the head, you know, a little knock on the yeah. back of your head, yeah. kind of wake you up a little bit. And my mom is always <laughs> wanting to give me one of those my entire life, pretty much, because sometimes oh, I could be oh. the smartest <laughs> when it comes to sports knowledge, but some common sense and culture things out there. It's like, kid, where have you been? Wake up a little bit. Well, <laughs> hey, I got you. Well, I'm hoping that your mom and dad are listening today because I only have good things to say. Thank and you, you raised a very good son. And, um, man, when you do, uh, when you can divulge more information, sure. please let us know. And and um, uh, hopefully I can get with, we'll get with Ryan and we'll keep in touch, okay? There you go. But we can I make really that happen. I haven't. Have enjoyed everything you've done, and I'll still keep listening, Ryan. Okay, uh, that sounds good. You keep calling, and uh, and yes, uh, when JJ uh, gives us the information that we can pass along, we will pass it out to everyone. Ryan has seen more oh, movies Ryan. than me, so he, he, I, I have. I, I have seen The Godfather. Decidedly, has seen way more movies than me. Well, I, I tell you, I've watched it so many times, but I always catch certain little things every now and then that you can't. I mean, it's one of those you can always learn from. But hey. Um, uh, Steve's already stole my thunder, but JJ, I want to tell you, good day. Thank you, sir. Good day, Jeff. I appreciate the call, buddy. That's our good pal, uh, Jeff from Columbus. These guys are going to get me emotional, man. Those are um, those are really good memories. That's who you've been talking to for, for sure. a long time. That's yes, we rotate on the show and we talk to you a lot, but uh, it's sports call. Friendly reminder that even when we bump our gums a lot. The callers are still, uh, they still mean a lot to us. And those relationships with being, whether you, whether they call once a month or once a day, you know, I mean, that that is, uh, that's what makes the show. So we appreciate people like Jeff. And obviously Steve calls us a lot and, and all these people that uh, we talk to. And so, yeah, you deserve to hear from them too, JJ. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting when you're in a career like this, a profession that, you know, we can't actively know who's listening to what we're talking about at that moment and engaging with us unless we're directly talking with them on the phone, right? And you go to psychology, I'm not the brightest fella, right? Not the sharpest pencil in the box, but I did understand in psychology the dynamic of these parasocial relationships I love to mention so frequently where you listen to a voice so often you truly feel like you get to know somebody. And I feel that way. People listen to me for three hours a day for over five years every weekday. They have a great understanding of who J.J. Jackson the person is. But I feel the same way with all the callers that we've had. Even though I've only met them maybe once or twice face-to-face, just getting to pick up with them and have engaging conversations has meant a whole lot to me. And I really will miss the uh, caller dynamic of this program. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, some of our callers have wanted to talk to other callers at times. If we ever uh, figure out how to do that, yeah. uh, we'll hook them up with you remotely right. and uh, give you a little reunion at some point if we ever figure that out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, that's, <clears throat> again, you know, we we certainly have our shows where we have less calls. And I know in the summer it wanes, and so we – come up with our own stuff that may or may not be interesting to those out there. But still, we know that um, it can be a, a big part of the show. And uh, I think after about five years, they probably know you pretty well. And as you said, you probably know uh, some of them pretty well. And I would say the same thing is we, we get calls. And uh, if it's someone we've talked to a lot, then we probably have an idea where that conversation is going to go. Uh, if it's going to be chaotic or a certain topic that likes to be talked about a lot. And uh, in that sense, we do get to kind of know everybody. And uh, that part of it is really cool. We take a look at those phone calls. We're totaling up numbers always. Just to let people know, I, I made sure that we put an emphasis on tracking these stats because it is so important. Like you said, it is sports call at the end of the day. There haven't always been stats on a show that's been on the air for 27, going on 28 years. But to let people know, last year in 2021, there were 1,173 callers on sports call. Again, some people are multiple calls within there, but we had... 1,173 different unique phone calls where Zeus announced who the caller was with his great voice and brought them onto the airwaves. Like, we talked to a lot of people on the show, and that's going to be something that I was always proud of. Yeah, and uh, again, I mean, that's a lot, and we have an idea of a few people that, that contribute to that a lot, but also you never know who might be passing town, passing in the town for a weekend or for a little while who's moving to the area you know who's been looking for different sports talk show to listen to and, and that sort of thing and uh again we've 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 had a lot of people you know that don't call us anymore they've had is you know things come up or yeah. uh tragedies in some in some instances and uh you know we think about those people too i mean there's a lot of people that have helped contribute to the success of this show and um, you know that's not lost on us as well I know it's not lost on you and again if you pitching for for you on your behalf you know you're right here you have a great JJ memory you want to tell them you're going to miss them please do call us because again JJ loves to hear that we all love to hear that and we know that we don't always agree on everything but 
Uh, I think we can all agree that JJ's made this show better for the last five years. Thank you, Ryan. You agree with Jeff that I try to be as positive as possible? Oh, absolutely. It's one of your your (laughs) great qualities. You have many, but that is one of the great ones. Uh, We've reached the end of hour number two here today. One hour left to go here on a Wednesday. Alongside Ryan LaVoy, I'm JJ Jackson. Sports Call continues in a moment. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app. My name is JJ Jackson. Ryan LaVoy joins me here in studio. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, our good pal Joe Bartle from RotoWire will stop by, not really dialing in too much to the fantasy football dynamic because so many people, their fantasy football season has come to a close. But we're going to just talk about the football season. With two weeks left to play, we will talk about the amazing performance from Luka Doncic last night and what to expect over the next few weeks in the NBA. Joe Bartle joins us coming up in about 10 minutes here on the show. Andy Burcham stopped by the program a little bit earlier today. Uh, All in all, Ryan, we've been able to talk about several things here on the show. Yeah, and one of those things that we talked about with him was the overall strength of the SEC. And before we kind of break down Auburn and Florida, (laughs) want to alert you to one thing. Welcome to SEC play. Welcome to life in college basketball, where it is very difficult to win on the road. At the half, fresh off of, by the way, Ole Miss losing to North Alabama Tuesday night. Uh, last Tuesday night, excuse yeah. me. At the half, Ole Miss 34, number 7, Tennessee 28. And so, reminder, it's incredibly difficult to win on the road in major college basketball. And uh, this league is going to be very interesting this year. And, you know, Auburn, Florida tonight, a team that, as Steve brought up in his conversation with us, a team that has been just fine uh, playing here in Auburn, a team that has given Auburn trouble, a team that Bruce Pearl respects with Todd Golden, being at Florida now, someone that was on Auburn staff, someone that Bruce Pearl knows very well, so this Florida team is going to start to change their identity. When I I watched a little bit of Todd Golden at San Francisco, if you believe that or not, and I watched them really have a three-point oriented, high-volume shot <laughs> offense. And I've not watched a whole lot of Florida this year, but that's obviously the exact opposite of what Florida was when Mike White was there. Mike White tried to beat you 64-60 to 60 every single night. And I know you have to have some sort of time to kind of build your, build your program and establish everything you want to do. 
I can promise you in time, Ford is going to become a high-volume, high-octane offense uh, if Todd Golden is successful. For now, they're probably a little stuck in between because their best player is a big guy. And Colin Castleton is one of the best big guys in the country. And so they'll take some threes around him, but at the same time, they're not going to want to necessarily try and win 95 to 90 just yet. Not 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 in year one, at least. So it's going to be very interesting because they will shoot th- some threes. They do have a couple guys that are upper 30s, low 40s percentage-wise. But at the same time, they've got that, that you know fire and ice dynamic where – Yes, they like the three. Yes, they're going to start doing more and more of that, but the best big guy likes to shoot seven-footers, or the best player likes to shoot seven-footers, and he's a big guy. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, I feel a lot better about Auburn uh, after uh, the Washington game because they were able to put a really good offensive display out there, particularly in the second half. They were able to not just win a game, dominate a game. And I know that Washington ultimately is probably only going to win five or six Pac-12 games, probably going to finish around 15-15 and overall in the season. But just to be able to do that to someone on the road, you know, Washington's not better than most SEC teams, but are they on the same level as like a Georgia, you know, or a South Carolina? Sure. Absolutely. They're not any worse than South Carolina. South Carolina is freaking terrible. Yeah. So that makes me feel better about some of the weaker teams in the league and Auburn's chances to go get road victories because we know even with as good as last year's team was, when Auburn went on the road, yeah, maybe they still won as much as they lost or won a little bit more than they lost last year on the road. But none of them felt easy. They were having to pull out wins and grind through it. So – uh, you got to take advantage of these home games, but that that Washington game made me feel a lot better about the the chances Auburn has to to do some damage on the road as well. Let's see what Auburn can do as uh, as they get set to open up SEC play a little bit later tonight, 6 p.m. tip off. So at the top of the hour, they take on the Florida Gators, fresh off their performance against Washington a week ago, and that sets us up to name our final. Sports Call Player of the Week in 2022. Here we go. Sports Call's Player of the Week. Auburn Center Janai Broom is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Presented by Eric McDade State Farm. Broom played an all-around game at Auburn's 84-61 thrashing over Washington. The big man scored 18 points in 28 minutes of play, pulled in 8 rebounds, and dished out 5 assists to beat the Huskies' zone. The Tigers used that performance to go out with a bang on their West Coast road trip and are now set to begin conference play against the Florida Gators and Georgia Bulldogs. Janai Broom is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Player of the Week, of course, is brought to you by our pal Eric McDade. Eric McDade, State Farm, and uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Janai Broom for for being our newest and final Player of the Week for 2022. And pretty fitting that he is the one that wins that Player of the Week just because of his importance in tonight's game when Auburn opens up SEC play. He is going to be the man tasked with a lot of Colin Castleton duties, and Castleton is good offensively and defensively, so it's not just trying to limit what Castleton does uh, when he's back to the basket and, and seven feet, ten feet away, but it's also what can you do on him, who is a very long uh, physical player. And so Janai Broom having a nice impact. As you heard, he passed the ball well. When you're playing a zone defense, you're asked to pass quickly, and sometimes that means passing out of the post and reversing. 
And so he did that very well. And he's going to have to have another pretty complete game, he and Dylan Cardwell, tonight, because I feel really good that if they can get Castleton in foul trouble, because some, usually it's the other way around. Usually Castleton gets your big guy in foul trouble. If you can get him in foul trouble or render him less effective, then you shut down the main thing that Florida wants to do. And so Janine Broom having a big game against Washington hopefully can set him up to start conference play against Florida tonight well as well. And as our pal Austin Scott wisely just reminded us, Janine Broom's college decision to transfer from Moorhead State came down to two schools. He took a visit to Auburn and he took a visit to Gainesville, Florida. There are pictures on the internet of Janai Broom wearing Florida Gators jerseys on a visit there, but ultimately deciding to play for the Auburn Tigers. So he goes head-to-head against a squad that he almost went to in the transfer portal for the first time later tonight. A little bit interesting then for him. Yeah, I I didn't think about that at all. Honestly, I did not remember that. So uh, he should be motivated to play this game, but then also Florida might remember that and might be motivated (laughs) to play him. So, again, a very fascinating matchup. And with an Auburn team that is struggling to find a consistent performer nine in, nine out, yes, I know Wendell Green Jr. has pretty good raw scoring numbers, but sometimes very – inefficient from the floor, sometimes very frustrated with what he has to do. You're just always looking. You're going to be looking for the hot guy all year long. Jalen Williams has a big game. Boom. You want Jalen Williams in the next few games to go in a roll. Janai Broom has a good game in Washington. You want him now in a big post matchup to hold his own and have another good game. And so uh, that is going to be a, a nice little subplot them for the broadcast. We'll remind us of, but uh, we'll be interesting to see how he does against the, the school that he almost chose. We have 2022 totals for Sports Call Player of the Week. Again, a segment sponsored by our dear friend Eric McDate, Eric McDate State Farm. Drive with Eric.com for all of your insurance needs. Austin Riley one player of the week the most times in the year 2022 did it three times and then walker kessler speaking of janai broom the man he's replacing won it twice this past year along with suny lee steph curry matt olson and bo Nix. we had numbers around the office kind of looking back at the year in 2022 it was fun to see all the different names that won the award this season and again just for the listener you know we talk about everything jj means to the program and he certainly means a lot on air a lot of this work is stuff that at the very minimum he originally tallied and got the idea to tally and then tallied it and then maybe passed it on to someone else to help tally with him but for the most part all these numbers about callers about (laughs) guests about podcast listens about player of the week guys that again is jj jackson's idea that is his work behind the scenes so I uh, just want to give you some more credit because, again, okay, there's still certain elements to this yeah. that no one else sees, and that's your big element is all this data collection and stuff. I mean, that's your all your idea, and then for the most part, it's most of your tallying and, and uh, counting work as well. Thank you, Ryan. Fun to look back at those things. A big year for Sports Call Player of the Week. Shout out Eric McDade, State Farm as well. Joe Bartle joins us next here on Sports Call.
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson with Ryan LaVoy here inside our studio. Hope that you're doing well on this Wednesday as uh, we are so thrilled right now to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on our good pound Joe Bartle joining us here on the program. Joe, thanks for the time. How was your Christmas, my friend? Nah, not too bad. Uh, got a lot of football to cover, which was always a good thing, too, so getting some work in as well and for a lot of people it's the fantasy championships and that was a fun time uh hopefully for at least some people and listeners out there and, uh happy to help people kind of peruse that as well too was that your first christmas that the packers were playing no no i think they i they, they played the year before and i actually went to that game okay i'm not sure if it was on christmas eve no i think it was on christmas day last year in lambo so no that was the second time. I think it was the first win, though. I do not believe they won on Christmas Day last year, or maybe I'm mistaken on that. And again, again, a game played in Miami last week uh, for the Packers, kind of a must-win scenario. What stood out to you from that win? Uh, I mean, I, I thought um, it was the first time all season that the Packers' defense made second-half adjustments most of the times this year. And I really think this is kind of the entirety of the NFL and, and the separation of the, the teams with winning records and losing records is the adjustments over the course of the half. And most teams have been able to adjust to the Packers in the second half. It was cool to see it reverse. And then we find out that two actually played concussed almost during the entire second half. And what I thought was maybe a good Joe Barry moment for the first time in his career at the Packers might have just been too uh, uh, not really understanding what was happening in the football field. And given the way he was throwing and playing, I kind of leaned towards the latter uh, and also more because Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator, has been so miserable this year that I refuse to give him the benefit of the doubt in a situation like this. So what's next for the Green Bay Packers? I mean, we know that they technically have not been eliminated yet from postseason contention, but what's it going to take, Joe? How optimistic are you? Kind of give us the pulse there. Yeah, so you have the Vikings and Lions over the next two weeks. They have to win out uh, for both of those in order for them to have a shot. Now, I would imagine... uh, if you beat the Lions, they're going to have a pretty good chance of getting in. The Lions would be the other team that would be competing with the Packers for that extra spot, depending on how the Commanders do against the Cowboys. So the, uh, the Commanders have the tiebreaker over the Packers and Lions. If the Commanders lose one of the next two games, then the Packers or Lions will play uh, Week 18 for the seventh and final playoff spot in the NFC. Commanders schedule, they have the Browns this uh, upcoming game, and then the Cowboys next week i would imagine the cowboys could potentially still have someone to play for so it's not a matter of them resting their guys whatsoever but if it is a snare where the eagles win this week uh lock up the division lock up the number one seed i wonder if the cowboys even really bother to do much um in week right. 18 given uh they will already have already locked up the number five seed so that that could be a little bit concerning um i guess i will say you know the NFL wants the Packers to be a primetime game week 18 with something on the line. So we'll find out. I mean, they would have to flex it uh, at the end of this week, I guess, following Sunday's game against the Vikings. 
So not only would you feel like referee shenanigans would be in the favor of the Packers against the Vikings, but I wouldn't be su- surprised if we see some referee shenanigans uh, against the Browns Commanders game this this game as well too or this week. So we'll have to see. I mean, there's a lot that has to go right for them, but they are in a better spot than they have been in previous, uh, you know, last month or so. I, I, I'm getting closer, like 30% optimistic they make the playoffs. I wish they would have beat the Titans on Thursday Night Football. That felt like a super winnable game that would have put them in a good spot. Uh, and yet here we are, kind of just hoping for others to fall out of things for the Packers have a shot. Joe, the AFC division is going to come, or AFC South division is going to come down to a uh, Week 18 matchup between the Titans and the Jags. How do you feel that game is going to go, that matchup? Yeah, it, it, it's weird. Have you ever seen this where a team just punts Week 17? And, yeah. you know, the Titans are going to end up sitting 11 different players. Derrick Henry with a doubtful, <laughs> likely not going to play, which is going to hurt a ton of fantasy managers out there. Uh, all with the intention of they need, they need to win Week 18 to get into the playoffs. That's fascinating to me. Um, if, if Malik Willis was playing quarterback and not let's hand the ball off to Derrick Henry, I'm not sure what the position is, but certainly as a quarterback, I would feel that the Titans have a shot in Week 18, but if they continue to have the ultra kid gloves on the rookie third-round pick, there's absolutely no way that they uh, win against the Jaguars, who has Trevor Lawrence is going uh, completely bonkers over the last month. I want the Jaguars to win. I've been really disappointed in which the Titans have handled things with Ryan Tannehill out. And frankly, I mean, that, that the Titans would be a very bad playoff game. Like You'd pick whoever is the five-seed of the AFC to beat the Titans pretty, pretty handily if they make it in. I'm not sure you said the same about the Jaguars. I think I think you would probably lean towards the five seed, but that offense is looking pretty good, um, and and you know they're kind of spirited, and I think our coach well. I mean that's such a big difference from last year's Urban Meyer to this year Doug Peterson. So I want the Jaguars to win at Week 18, but I don't think I've ever seen a Week 17 where a team has phoned it in and still has ramifications. It's just next week is for all the marbles. Joe, where do you stand on that in general? Not the phoning it in in Week 17, because obviously that is unprecedented. But, I mean, it's a, it's a year-to-year debate on do you rest players the, on the final week of the year. And it feels like a lot of people obsess over getting potentially rusty, but it's only one week. I mean, is rust a real concern for you if you just simply miss one week? Yeah, so I've uh, unfortunately been on many sides of this as a Packers fan, and I've watched the team rest themselves in Week 17 and 18, even dating back to the Brett Favre days, and absolutely sucked when they got to the division round matchup. Last year, you had Aaron Rodgers and company play a half, and some of the third quarter against the Lions didn't matter. They still sucked in the division round anyway. So I, I'm not positive. I think, I think when it's such a long season, especially now with 18 weeks, that – Resting guys, I mean, that's the privy of earning the number one spot is to have that opportunity. And I don't think there's going to be rust involved necessarily. Um, but, I mean, like, I, I want my guys to be fresh and have a rhythm. So what the Packers did last year where they played some of the, some of the first half in that Lions matchup feels like the perfect solution. Now, the one, you know, concern I'd have is places literally like Ford Field with that turf and where we've seen so many knee injuries happen in the past. Uh, and if your player's even playing at, you know, three-fourths capacity – you can get injured doing that kind of thing, too. I mean, they're so used to playing full speed and then to say, oh, wait, guys, I want you to go out there and play, but just not uh, don't get injured. You know, like that, that feels like a different mindset that you've never operated before if you're a professional athlete. So there is some concerns there, too. I, I would want my players to co- play competitively for a half, and then I would take them out and try to avoid any scenarios where they get rest. So they still have the mental reps. Uh, they still have the game reps, but it's a situation where I'm avoiding – uh, at least a half of an injury kind of concern. 
for fantasy leagues that do have their championship uh, this week, um, I, just I know it's the very end, and so there's not a lot of things that are going to happen roster management wise or be different. It, it's kind of what you got, what you got, um, but because of a situation like the Titans when they're sitting players or uh, maybe another playoff-related situation, I mean, are there any last-minute guys that you feel uh, might deserve the start that maybe weren't getting starts for your fantasy team earlier this year? Yeah, it'll be tough. If you have Derrick Henry and you're in the finals, I, I you might have to look towards Hassan Haskins, who's the backup for the Titans. I imagine they'll use two running backs. And the spread for Vegas says this is – an under 40-point game, Cowboys favored by 12. So if you put that together, you're thinking the implied point total, the Titans might have 10 points. I mean, you, you could still get startable running back two production in that scenario. Zach Moss, specifically last week against the uh, Chargers defense, he had seven points and probably could have way more if Jeff Saturday hadn't just abandoned the run for whatever the reason. Um, but you're not exactly happy when Derrick Henry is getting you 20-plus points a game. So it's it's tough uh, there really were not a lot of running backs available on the waiver wire this past week anyhow. Um, and guys like Lamar Jackson, who maybe not won't play again. Um, I mean, you've already been operating with that with Tyler Huntley and whatever else. now. For a little bit. The one guy that I actually thought was a pretty good waiver wire pickup was Jahan Dotson. And I'm not worried at all about the Carson Wentz switch for the commanders. I think so long as Jahan Dotson has been healthy, he has been a touchdown threat for that offense. They have Terry McLaurin. They've been getting the tight end Logan Thomas more involved. Antonio Gibson's falling back, but you're still relying on uh, Brian Robinson. But Jahan Dotson is such a crucial part of them actually scoring. And I think for a wide receiver three or a flex, it makes total sense over a lot of guys out there right now. The one good news is it's not like last week where we had a historic amount of unders given all the weather that was going on. That shouldn't be an issue in this week's matchup. So any of the guys that looked favorable but had tough spots because it was four degrees and raining, that's out of the equation now. And I'm happy for that for the fantasy championships because that was very troubling uh, last week. Otherwise, I'd just say defensively, you, you probably could play the Chargers against the Rams. I'd understand that. Um, I'd also be completely fine playing the Buccaneers against the Panthers or Panthers against the Buccaneers. I don't imagine either team's offenses are really going to be all that effective. And Jaguars against the Texans, uh, there was one more, too. I guess the, the Falcons or Cardinals, either side of that one, you might be able to get by from a streaming perspective as well. Joe Bartle from Real Wire is here with us on the program today. Follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. Joe, I got to ask about that NFC South matchup coming up this weekend between the Panthers and the Buccaneers. Carolina, a really dominant win against the Detroit Lions. Deontay Foreman is named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. The Panthers signed Josh Norman, bringing him back to town this week. And Tampa Bay's trying to make another playoff push with Tom Brady at quarterback. What do you expect take place on Sunday at Raymond James Stadium? Uh, I expect the Buccaneers to prevail, probably uh, coming back from 45 points with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> That's just what Tom Brady tends to do, I guess, and I have no idea why they wait uh, 57 minutes to actually look like a functional NFL team, but uh, more power to the Tom Brady aura, I guess. I don't know. I, um, I, like, I, I know I'm supposed to care as a football fan and as a fantasy person. I'm supposed to care about this matchup. But whoever wins the division is going to get obliterated in week one. I mean, it just it does, it does not matter to me whether the Panthers or the Buccaneers. The Panthers, I mean, honestly, pretty resilient to be where they are right now. I know 6-9 is not a favorable record necessarily, but um, they were deemed one of the least talented teams in the NFL entering the year. And I think it played above expectations. Now, do I like a, a uh, offensive attack that – 
would rather run 65 times and pass 10? No, that's awful. Uh, should not be good for the game. We would never want to encourage anyone to watch that type of performance, but they're winning. So what, what can I really say about that type of when they're winning? And the Buccaneers, they have all the talent in the world, but just have not been very functional at all at this point of the season. I thought it was going to be kind of like, all right, week 12, week 13, they're going to get things in gear, kind of run through the NFC South, which is a really weak division. And that has not been the case. I mean, even with the schedule that I think has been harder than I would have anticipated to end the year, they have not looked good in any one of these games. It, I mean, the, the Buccaneers are favored by three. That feels fair to me. I mean, if this is a neutral field, uh, it very well could end in a, in a tie and uh, be a very embarrassing NFC South yeah. match. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm fully, I think that's fully in play at this point with how these two teams are playing. Earlier this week, J.J. Watt announced his intentions to retire at season's end. How will we remember him? Uh, one of the best Badgers of all time. There you go. Uh, obviously, a Packers fan, a Bucks fan, Wisconsin sports through and through. And when I think of Wisconsin college football, I think of J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, uh, his brother a little bit too, Derek Watt, and then uh, Russell Wilson, which is ironic because he was only there for one year. But yeah. not, I mean, like J.J. Watt is a, a true representation of what I think Wisconsin football is. And I was, I was disappointed that he never ended up having a stint with the Packers, although he chose to make that call when he went to the Cardinals, knowing they probably weren't going to make any big run. Um, and that was the other part of that. He will be one of the more dominant defensive players of all time, but that Aaron Donald was kind of on the same point as him. It's going to overshadow his career. I mean, J.J. Watt could realistically be a top-five pass rusher in NFL history, but because Aaron Donald was playing at the same time he was and. and Truthfully, Aaron Donald really became Aaron Donald two or three years after J.J. Watt was J.J. Watt. It will, uh, I think, kind of uh, cloud the legacy of what J.J. Watt should be because Aaron Donald is quite possibly the best uh, defense player of all time. And Joe, let's switch gears for just a moment. Let's talk a little basketball because, of course, fantasy basketball just now hitting the halfway point. And uh, last night, I mean, we have to mention this performance. Uh, I don't think it's physically possible to lose a game if you're a Luka Doncic owner that sees a 60-21-10 line. Uh, how crazy was that performance? And then kind of just power rank. I mean, we, there's so many great players in this league. And typically you love a great big guy that gets you double-doubles and efficiency in fantasy. But powering some of these stars like Jokic and Doncic as far as the top fantasy player this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there is a better statistical performance given the situation to end it. Like In terms of like a game-winning sequence and what the player needs to do to power them through over the last two decades – than what Luka did last night. And I, I say last two decades because maybe I'm forgetting a Michael Jordan in 1990 thing when I just was barely live uh, game. But 61 points, 21 or 60 points, sorry, uh, 21 rebounds, 11 assists, to come back from nine-point deficit in 26 seconds is incredible in its own right. I mean, that's the, that's the Tracy McGrady level to the thing with the Rockets, and yet he did it here. Uh, he, that, that's like a lore-level game. We'll be talking about that for a long time. And Luka is only 23 years old. Like I, I feel like he's been around in the league for forever, but to be able to do this at only 23 years old is incredible to me. Um, you had mentioned the big guys is kind of like a fantasy factor. You're right, but it really has been the scores, and specifically the guys that get the steals and blocks too, which Luka has been doing better, I think, than um, a lot of people anticipate, averaging 1.7 steals, which is far above his career average, and then uh, 0.6 blocks, which is still certainly in part. Like, it's those additional things from a fantasy perspective that make Luka Doncic one of the best values right now 
even when he was a top five given pick. It's, it's kind of incredible to think about. Whereas like Rudy Gobert, uh, Sabonis for the Kings as well too. It's great they're getting the doubles and points and rebounds. And in the case of Gobert, he's still getting blocks. But you were already factoring that in for their values. You weren't anticipating Luka Doncic is going to be averaging. Uh, 33 points per game as opposed to 28, which he was last year, and that was a career high for him. And also shooting uh, what he is from three-point land, 35.5%, totally acceptable in a category league or if you're playing head-to-head. Joe Bartle again here with us. We're talking about fantasy basketball, basketball in general. We saw epic Christmas basketball games over the weekend, and including one featuring your Milwaukee Bucks. I do, however, want to talk a little bit about the Jason Tatum dynamic. Now in his sixth year in the league, over 40 points on Christmas Day. What are we seeing right now out of Jason Tatum? Yeah, I was going to say epic uh, demoralizing loss. If that's yeah. In fact, it felt like most of those Christmas Day games were just absolute blowouts, uh, including that one over my Bucks as well, too. I, you know, I, I wish the Bucks would play a little bit more uh, better in those primetime contests, but it feels like they really don't care all too much. What we are seeing from Tatum is, I think, a complete emergence as a, as a core player in the NBA. When I mean that, I mean like on the level of Giannis, Steph, Luka, the, the the ultimate best, and, and Tatum had already, in my mind, had gotten to that point last year, and certainly the finals run sort of cemented that for a lot of people. But if you were ever concerned about what he was capable of doing, I think by now it should be very obvious. Averaging 31.1 points per game, that's five points better than his career average, 26.9 last year. Uh, over the last six contests, I think he's gotten uh, at least 30 points and 40 points in four of those last, or sorry, Sorry, three of those last six. And he's not even like attempting that many more shots than he normally does. I mean, uh, averaging about uh, 10 made field goals per game, great. But only 21 uh, attempts, that's right on par with the last two years. So he's more efficient and, more importantly, he's getting to the line, averaging 8.5 free throw attempts compared to 6.2 last year, which was a season high. That's going to be the biggest differential is that Tatum's getting more aggressive knowing how to get to his shot, and then making sure he gets those easy shots as well, too. He's been impressive, and I think cemented himself as one of the best, one of the very, very best players in the league. Joe, it's always fun to catch up with you here in our final conversation in the year 2022. Uh, Happy New Year to you, my friend, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon, okay? Yeah, sounds good. You're going to hit me on the other side of the big old 30. My birthday is tomorrow, so we're going to be having a good old time with that. Uh, and now I'll be the old guy in the fantasy <laughs> field after this. There you go. Next week. Happy birthday <laughs> as well, Joe. Thanks for the time as always, my friend. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on. That's Joe Bartle from Roto-Wire, set to turn the big 3-0. And he's joining us there on our Auburn Bank phone line. Final timeout here on today's program. We wind things down after this on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. JJ Jackson with my pal Ryan LaVoy here inside our studio. Our thanks again to Joe Bartle from Rotowire joining us there on the program. He's got the best insight. Ryan, he just looks at numbers and statistics all day long to excel. 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 <laughs> excel uh-huh. at his uh, at his day job. Give me one thought you had from his football commentary and one thought that he had from his basketball commentary that he just laid out for us. Well, obviously, we both have vested interests in the Buccaneers and the Panthers from Ray J on Sunday. And uh, I I unfortunately feel that that's most people not really caring about that game. I've even seen a lot of people go as far to say as they want Carolina to win because they just could not care less about seeing the Bucs and Piles. My only rebuttal to that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers is an organization, sure. You can do without them in the postseason. Do you guys really want Tom Brady to miss the playoffs? And I know that you people are flesh-seeking individuals that want to see the greats fail because that's society. You love to build someone else and uh, build someone up and tear them down. But do you, re- if you're going to have a nothing team in the playoffs? Wouldn't you rather at least watch Brady on the nothing team? Sure. I mean, that's my only plea for people is, and look, Carolina, you know that we're more, more, far more cordial with them than we are with New Orleans or Atlanta. But again, like the 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 amount of uh, just lackadaisicalness to Tom Brady now, I think. I just don't know. I'm. I don't. I don't agree with it. And then, secondly, with a thought that, from the hardwood. From the hardwood, is that I think that you know we've caught we've been so caught up in the actual numbers behind Luca's night last night. But yeah, if you actually watch the game, the play to send it to overtime was insane because the Knicks did the most Knicks things ever, and they had two guys in re, in rebounding position, and they knocked it away from each other. Back to Luca, who in midair then shot it immediately and made the tying basket. So, yes, they came back from nine down in like 27 seconds. But also, it was the foul up three scenario, and they totally botched it by running into each other, knocking the ball away from each other, and Luca being able to tie it that way. Trying to get around JaVale McGee, man. The low man on the block there for the Mavs. Got in the way. Yeah. They, they did some things, and yeah, Luka Magic certainly happened. All right, we got about five sporting events that we want to tell you about in our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. The Sports Call nightly TV guide is brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop by your local TK's convenience store. Pick up a variety pack of White Claw Hard Seltzers. What's on television tonight, Mr. LaVoy? All right, you might have heard from the state of Alabama some college basketball at 6 o'clock. Okay. Of course, I'm talking about Sanford's Bulldogs. Yeah. They take on the Mercer Bears 6 o'clock on ESPNU. Shocked that has an ESPNU designation. Good for Sanford, though. People. Good for Sanford. Uh, but, of course, in Auburn, in Neville Arena, 6 o'clock ESPN2 is the TV designation for number 20 Auburn versus Florida. Of course, you can turn over right now for pregame coverage on FM Talk 93.9 with Auburn Sports Network. 6 o'clock tip at Neville Arena, Auburn in Florida. 7 o'clock on Fox, Bo Nix versus Drake May. It's number 15 Oregon versus North Carolina in the Holiday Bowl. Again, 7 o'clock on Fox. Should be a fun quarterback match. 
matchup. 8 o'clock, the lane train did not pull into Auburn and instead will pull into the Texas Bowl <laughs> to face Texas Tech. It's Ole Miss, Texas Tech. That's, that's eight, good. 8 o'clock on ESPN. So after the conclusion of this Arkansas-Kansas game that's going on right now. And then some more college basketball. A big one in Humphrey Coliseum, Starkville, Mississippi. 8 o'clock on the SEC Network. It's 21st-ranked Mississippi State. They play host to the 8th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. So a lot of Alabama basketball on your TV guide tonight. And that is your Sports Call Nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Good stuff. One show left to go in 2022. One show left for me as well. Oh, <laughs> the tears real, are coming. They'll come tomorrow. It's Tune getting in. real. Yep. Uh, Sports Call on the air tomorrow, 3 o'clock Central Time. For Ryan LaVoy and Kim Barry. Thanks again to Andy Burcham and Joe Bartle for joining us on Sports Call today. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.